Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another live edition of the Peachtree Post on a Friday morning. Uh, Jarrett Smith and Jason Longshore here with you. Jarrett, are you with me? Hello. Hello. Um, Busy morning, busy time when it comes to Atlanta United and MLS. We have MLS Cup tomorrow night where we will crown a brand new champion for the first time between Toronto and Seattle. And once that game is over, Atlanta United is officially part of Major League Soccer, and the chaos and fun starts bright and early Sunday morning with the trade window. And we will uh, be here for that. And yes, uh, breaking news, we will be here live with you Sunday morning through the whole trade window, 9 to noon. Um, it's going to be insanity. Uh, we already know of a couple moves that have been – Rumored and one that the club has uh, confirmed will happen is Kevin Kratz from Philadelphia, defensive midfielder. Uh, Beyond that, we have Sean Johnson and Michael Parkhurst that have both been rumored. Um, Everything sounds like a go for both of those. Parkhurst, from what I'm hearing, is is pretty much a done deal. Uh, Johnson, I haven't seen anything refuting it. So looks like we could be adding some players Sunday morning. I'm excited we're adding defenders finally because up until this point, I assumed the defense was basically me, you, your mama, and your cousin too. Um, we had no one else lined up. Like at this one, it was at this one, it was looking kind of like an arena football team or the Atlanta Falcons, which makes sense because Blank owns both of them. It's like that's a really impressive attack. How are you going to defend? Oh, we're going to outscore. We're going to outscore. Well, we did see Vic Beasley in an Atlanta United jersey earlier this week uh, on the Falcons' Twitter, so maybe that was the, the backup solution is let's get a, a, a Deion Sanders-type dual-sport athlete going here. Yeah, that's – I don't know how I feel about that. There's other guys. I'd like to see Keanu Neal play uh, defense. Keanu Neal could be the new uh, Roman Torres um, of MLS. If you get him as a center back, real physical – I don't, know, I don't know if it's either him or Deion Jones. One of the two. Uh, could you imagine Deion Jones and Josie Altidore matching up? Oh, God. Deion, I could imagine Deion Jones playing the role that Chris McCann plays when he's not in there. And, oh, there's the attack. And the attack's over, and Deion Jones has a yellow card because he just <laughs> stonewalled the living hell out of somebody. Well, luckily, we're not going to get to this point where we're having to drag Atlanta Falcons into the Atlanta United lineup. It uh, looks like we're going to have our starting center back, possibly our captain. Uh, Michael Parkhurst is, is one of those types of players. He's a leader. He's captain the Columbus crew. Captain them to MLS Cup last year. Let's not forget that. Uh, 24 caps with the U.S. national team. You know, this is a very established center back and a center back who will allow you to play out of the back because he's He's a, a soccer player. He's not just a defender. So, and that's the type of players Tata Martino is looking for. Yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about. We keep seeing the rumors popping up about guys coming out of Argentina to play, and I'm that's exciting. Don't get me wrong. Um, I am excited at the idea of having an MLS veteran anchoring that back line, as young as this team is, and I'm glad it's young. I'm glad we went the op- that we're not going the route of say New York City, where we're bringing in designated players who are you know, a couple of years away from being done like a, uh, like a Pirlo who, you know, God bless him. I love Pirlo, but you know, how much time does he have left? 
I like the idea of bringing in young guys, but I like that there's a balance. You've got a guy like McCann come, who's already on the team, who's a veteran presence. Um, if you bring in Parkhurst, a veteran MLS defender, as you've gone over, Jason, um, capable of playing out the back with his feet, capable of organizing the defense, it's, it would be a very solid, though some may, I, I feel like some people would consider it underwhelming. I personally don't. It's a solid pickup. Yeah, it's a smart one. It's, it's not, I mean, any, pretty much any defender you bring in outside of, I don't even know who it would be. I mean, maybe a Jeff Cameron or John Brooks type of national team center back. A defender's going to feel a little underwhelming if you're looking at the excitement of a, you know, a Vishalba, an Almiron, you know, the attacking signings who get the headlines. But the defenders are essential to the way Tata Martino wants to play. You can't just have a back line of four guys who are going to clear the ball long every time. You have to have guys who can play. And Parkhurst fits that mold combined with his leadership abilities. It's a great pickup. And, you know, there's always the question of how much you have to give to, to get him. All that we've heard so far is unspecified allocation money. And we do know that at this point, Atlanta United has a lot of allocation money to work with. Um, I believe it was Fox Sports that came out saying that, Atlanta and Minnesota both have $3 million approximately in allocation money. And I did a piece yesterday that I think my headache has finally gone away from, from researching all this about MLS allocation money, but Atlanta is potentially sitting on a lot of targeted allocation money. Um, The league is expected to announce that is being up to $1.2 million for next year. And Atlanta would still have the ability to spend I believe it's 800000 from the 2016 allocation. They have to spend that by next summer, the summer uh, 2017 summer window. So they have a lot of flexibility to work with. And if you use some of that in trades to get a Michael Parkhurst and possibly a Sean Johnson, uh, you've got the tools to do it. It's easy to pull off. So use them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is if you've got all that money sitting around, like you can use it um, – directly or you can use it as you said indirectly in the sense that you can use it to go get a guy like Sean Johnson or Parkers. There are more guys out there. It's not going to draw the line at that. Let's not forget Sunday morning the league takes the shackles off of the off of itself for three hours and really stupid things are liable to happen. Some really insane trades like Minnesota, as quiet as they've been, Minnesota could wake from their slumber Sunday morning and do some crazy stuff. Although, and it's not just Atlanta and Minnesota, the expansion teams, the entire league is capable of doing some really weird stuff Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday's going to be entertaining. Um, I'm very curious to see if there's more possibly coming from Atlanta United on Sunday. Uh, we know about a few moves. Is there going to be something else? And I'm curious to see what other teams get active. Like Zach McMath for me is a player that I could see being traded Sunday morning. So he isn't thrown into the expansion draft. I could see a lot of moves start to happen. Um, actually, we have our was... first. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. We have, we have our first caller on the Peachtree Post. Oh, I'm going to punch them in now. Two, five, six. Two, five, six. Are you with us? I'm with you. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Doing good. Okay. Who is this? Hey, this is Lewis. I'm I'm hey. one of your pestering callers. So hey, no, I'm glad to. Uh, first time, long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now we feel official. 
Hey, um, okay, question for you. I was just thinking, um, you know, the MLS is not exactly quick with giving press releases about different things. Do you think that there may be more international slots that the United may have that they that just they haven't released that, hey, these expansion teams are going to have 10, or you know what I mean, since they get to bank up the rules. It's not like this is like a FIFA thing. This is a MLS rule. Right. It's, it's a good question, and it's something that was actually rumored early on in this process. If you go back to, I believe it was late last year, the talk was they might go away from the expansion draft completely and give more allocation money and give more international slots. The allocation money looks like that part has come true as part of at least cutting the expansion draft down to five. The international slots, you know, that's that's probably been one of the biggest questions that I've been seeing lately is Atlanta's going after all these international guys. How are they going to make them work? It wouldn't shock me if they came out and said, well, we're going to give two extra slots instead of eight, you have 10, like you said. It wouldn't shock me. Um, I'm not expecting it yet. I think it would have come out, but also the allocation money thing hasn't come out either. So who who knows? It's just been rumored at this point. Um, we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll find out ahead of the expansion draft on Tuesday. Maybe it'll come out in Don Garber's State of the Union address, State of the Union, State of the League address uh, this <laughs> afternoon. Did Don well, Garber win the presidency? Don no, Garber became the president. Sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, they do, they do goofy things like this, and you know what I mean. And surely, you know, you pay $70 million for a franchise they're letting you in on these rules before they just tell the rest of us oh and they're not building their team based on you know not knowing they're building it because they know surely they know (laughs) guys uh, i can't say thank you enough uh i I look forward to y'all's thing on a weekly basis I'll, i'll quit bugging you but keep up the hard work appreciate you guys um we'll talk later thanks lewis we really appreciate it thanks for all the support i feel all warm and fuzzy now I know, I know. We have our, our first caller, and it's our buddy Lewis. This is great. Um, uh, it, we'll see where this goes. Um, I, he has a really good point about, you know, things kind of just happen and get dropped on us. One thing I'll say in terms of knowing what's going on, un- unless we were being completely uh, fooled, when Darren Eels was on the Mouths of the South show this summer, ahead of the expansion draft announcement, he said he didn't know what was going on. Um, I'm sure they were preparing for it either way, but at that point anyway, Minnesota was still a bit of a question. So maybe there was a, here's the plan. If Minnesota does not happen for 2017 and it's just you guys, then we're going to give you international slots and we're going to give you extra allocation money. And then, okay, now we have Minnesota coming in, so we will do an expansion draft and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll just kind of have to wait and see what, what we're told. No, and that's the thing is the um, the league – Like, and Lewis is right. The league has never been shy about, hey, here's the rule. Since when? About eight seconds ago. <laughs> so um, they've never been shy about doing that. But, yeah, at the same time, that's one of the things that you tell – the teams know about it. And we talked about this with issues during the summer where we were wondering, Oh, what's going to happen with Lane United? When will we hear about this? When will we hear about that? Look, the league's going to tell the teams what's going on. Um, and they're going to know before we do, just because they're going to have to conduct an entire franchise 
they got to know those things. So the, yeah, the, the teams will figure it out. Um, the extra allocation money is a wild card that it's unique to the sport and it's unique to this league in this sport. And it makes it really fun because, you know, you can get really creative from here on out. And especially if they had extra international slots, then we're basically just Newell's old boys at the North is the direction <laughs> we could go. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. I think, regardless of if they're given by the league or not, I think Atlanta will go out and get two more international slots to make it 10. I think if you can make it 10, you're, you're pretty comfortable in where you want to go and have some flexibility. Uh, let's jump into probably the biggest topic of the morning, according to my Twitter anyway, uh, center back option, center back partners for Parkhurst. Oh. I thought you were going to talk about Major Applewhite. Okay, yeah. Oh, this is <laughs> wow. Um, I don't think we're going to get Major Major Applewhite as our uh, attacking coordinator with Atlanta United. I don't think that one's um, going to be in the cards. Well, he's busy now. Um, but yeah, Parker. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got Sorry. we've got Jason uh, from South Carolina. We've got Ryan and Kyle on Twitter uh, asking about partners for Parkhurst and Tim Ream specifically and Jeff Cameron specifically. Um, kind of looking at it, I think what this does by bringing in Parkhurst, it gives you the option to pair him with a younger, possibly cheaper option as well um, that Parkhurst can kind of mentor. And one of them right now that we know is at least on the cards is the center back from Newell's 21 years old, Maximiliano Palacci, uh, who was a guy when he was 17, 18, he was in the mix with Tata Martino's Newell's squads before Tata went to Barcelona. So he's a player that Tata knows well. He's a player that Jorge's dealer, Tata's assistant, knows very well because Jorge was overseeing the academy. I think them bringing him in, it just makes me think they're bringing him in to pair him with Parkhurst as a, you know, you almost look at the old school, uh, tag teams in pro wrestling where you have the wily veteran and you have the up and coming young guy. I think that's what we're doing here is we're going to have Palachi learning from Parkhurst and that's going to be the pair rather than two bigger money center backs in a Parkhurst and Ream or a Parkhurst and Cameron. Yeah. I want to see how the Parkhurst deal looks when it comes down, if it comes down officially. Um, I'd like to see how the money shakes out, what they're paying him. Um, you know, do, where does it open up? What do you, what do you have money for left? I mean, are you gonna are you are you dead set on using the last of the DP slots on a hypothetical Andreas Cordado? Which at this point, Andreas Cordado is Schrodinger, Schrodinger's soccer player here. He he exists at Atlanta United, and he does not at the same time. Um, what do you use it on him? Do you use a DP slot on a center back? Cause uh, I'm on, I'm already on that train that I'm totally okay. If you decide to, you know, use that DP slot on a center back. So, um, you know, I want to see where they go with that. I, I, I like the idea of partnering, you know, having a veteran guy back there and having younger, a younger back court, if you've got somebody who can organize it, but it needs to work when, no matter how you do it, you need to go into the season knowing this is how it's going to work and this is what we're going to do. Cause if you don't have a plan, all of a sudden you become Orlando and that doesn't work as we've seen for the last two years. Completely agreed. But I think the, the thing to consider here that Orlando didn't have is this relationship with 
Newell's old boys that Tata Martino and Jorge Theoler have and bringing in players. I think what Orlando did is you saw a lot of young players come in who had some international pedigree. Uh, You had some defenders coming in who had, I think, U20 and U21 caps with Portugal and, you know, that's good, but you had no real connection between them and Adrian Heath and it just didn't work. In this case, if, if Tata Martino is going to get Palachi and the left back Milton Valenzuela, they're bringing them in for a reason because both Martino and Thieler and their people in Rosario and with Newell's know these players. These are not unknown quantities that look good on paper. These are players that they know, yeah. understand the system, understand what he wants to accomplish on the field. Uh, my, my contact in, in Rosario with, who covers Newell's old boys, uh, Brian Zender, uh, he has, has stressed to me how connected Martino and his people have been to Newell's, even after they left. Uh, they were always in touch with the folks at Newell's. You know, this is, this is Tata's club. You know, he played there forever. Then he managed it. This is, this is his, his heart, is Newell's old boys. So he knows what kids are coming up. He knows who can play. And you know, these two players are guys who fit. Uh, the way Brian's explained it is his, his game theory, his, his idea of how to play. Valenzuela and Palachi both understand that completely because it's what they've been brought up in. And they fit doing that here. Now they're young and they're going to have some adjustment coming to MLS, which is a different style league, but they know what their manager wants them to do. And that's a huge step in the right direction. That's my biggest question. I think is with guys is um, the adjustment coming to MLS. Cause yeah, it's a different world. It's a different league. Like coming from, you know, South America up to the MLS, like it's, we hear people poo-poo the league all the time, especially around the world. And like, well, you know, you're entitled to have your opinion and that's fine and all, but it's just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong, but it does take adjustment. This happens when guys change leagues sometimes is, Oh, he didn't just jump right in and do an amazing job. Oh, well, sometimes you have to adjust and that's fine. But my favorite thing is even though we talk about these guys being young and I'm on board with that, go across the board on all these moves that Atlanta's made, all these young, exciting uh, players they've brought in. They're not just bringing in young, exciting players. They're bringing in young, exciting players who are young but have plenty of experience at the same time. It's not like they're bringing in greenhorns to come in and uh, try and learn the system and be exciting at the same time. They know what to do. They know how to fit. It's a different fit than just, yeah. It's a different type of experience, too, I think, to consider. You know, this is not – an 18-year-old player coming from the, you know, development academy or a 21-year-old player coming out of college. These are two guys who have been in a professional environment since they were 12, 13, 14 years old and have been in the mix with the first team at Newell's, at least in terms of training and being on the bench for some game days. And I know Valenzuela's made an appearance or two, same for Palachi. They're, they're coming from a different level of experience. And, you know, we've talked about how foreign managers sometimes struggle to adjust to MLS. We've also talked about how foreign players sometimes adjust. I think having this situation, which is unique to have Tata Martino come to Atlanta and have two players that he knows very well come to join him, you bridge that gap a little bit in that understanding. I mean, they're all going to be learning the league, sure, 
but they're coming from a much better base of understanding and chemistry than Orlando did where you had Adrian Heath with players coming from Portugal or Brazil that didn't necessarily mesh with what Heath wanted to do. You know that these players fit what Martino wants to do. It's just then getting them up to speed in terms of MLS. I think that's a quicker adjustment than having everybody, you know, getting to know each other. At least at this point, you have these young players who have a guy that they know and respect leading them. Yeah, we've talked about it. Um, I've lost track of how often we've talked about it, and we've talked about it because it's it makes sense and it's fun to talk about positive things, especially in this city. Atlanta United keeps striking the right chords. Now we got to see everything in action to see really if it's going to be perfect, but everything they do, you kind of look at like this makes sense. This on paper, this looks brilliant. We got to see how it works out in the long run and when it actually gets played on the field because weird stuff happens. But it's everything has worked out on paper. We've gone over it before. I see no reason why that won't continue to be the case. And it makes Sunday morning, honestly, for me, really exciting because oh. God, what are they going to do Sunday morning? I mean, are they going to are they going to do the classic Atlanta surprise of uh, we didn't link this move, but here you go. Um, I want to see what Minnesota is going to do because Minnesota has got to be sitting there like a kid in the sand, wondering what the hell's going on. You know, they're I, I understand they had an NASL team and they had a talent pool to draw off of. They're still getting dusted by Atlanta in terms of the press, and depends on how much weight you put in that. But it's still not the best look for them, I guess. Not at all. I mean, and then let's let's take back to the the two players coming from Newell's that were expected to be announced at some point. Um, we've been, I've been told from my contact at Newell's that those two players have been approved for the loan. Um, reported it yesterday. Uh, Valenzuela has either a two or three million dollar transfer a, atta- a fee attached if they choose to transfer him. To buy, right? Loan with an option to buy for both. We don't know what the number on buying Palachi would be, but it's two or three million. I've seen it reported both ways on Valenzuela. So I've seen some people say like, oh, well, I'd rather have uh, Benegas and Davis, the two NASL players that Minnesota is bringing up with them, than these two kids. Well, you have to factor in the fact that you have Davis and Benegas, who have both never played in MLS, and both have never played for Adrian Heath. In, and compare that to two young kids coming from Newell's who understand and have played under the assistant and the manager that they're going to be playing under an MLS. So I think it, you know, I think it's advantage Atlanta, even just comparing those two moves, let alone Almiron, let alone Vishalva, let alone Kenwin Jones, Chris McCann, all of that. And Minnesota has a lot of catching up to do. Um, you know, they did get a late start. I'll give them that. But oh, yeah. we have to see what they're going to do and how they're going to build this team. You know, are you going to see Adrian Heath look at players that he's had before? Are you going to look at him bringing in some players from Orlando, like a Seb Hines possibly at center back? Uh, we'll see where this goes. Sunday is going to be really interesting because there hasn't been much out of Minnesota in terms of possible moves where Atlanta is linked to three players on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be chaos. Yeah, and that's the thing with Minnesota as well. Minnesota, if we haven't seen them make moves, or they haven't made moves yet, they're sitting on a very large pile of money with which they can sign and or trade with uh, with the allocation money. So it, 
they could they could just explode on Sunday doing stuff. It could be a flurry of stuff. They could that they all could also just use it to line up purchases for the off season. Um, by not having a bunch of moves already on the books, they've got theoretically a lot of resources they're sitting on to work with. So it's just a matter of how they would like to allocate those resources. Yeah, Sunday is going to be fun. Um, Minnesota will have to be active. I just don't know in what way yet. So Sunday will really set the stage for the expansion draft. And I think, you know, even the mock expansion draft that we did uh, at SB Nation on Dirty South Soccer, you have to kind of throw it out to a degree at this point because we did it before Almiron and Vasquez signed with Atlanta. So, you know, Rob and I would have had a different strategy going into that if we had two more attacking players and defense would have been more of a priority. I, so I read that thing and like, you still want McInerney? Do you still need McInerney? I, and I can see a way that you do, um, but I don't know if you prioritize him where we did. And that's, that's kind of where that's I come I mean. back to it is that number three, maybe not. Maybe that's where you go and get um, another outside back or another center back for depth, as opposed to getting a, a depth, player at forward where you already have some players. I still think it comes down to a question of, of what Brandon Vasquez's role will be next year. He will be the easy plug and play for Kenwin Jones because of their style of play being so similar. I don't see them playing together. So then when you do go to two forwards, is it Kenwin and right now Jeffrey O2, or do you loan a two out, get him more seasoning is that where a McInerney could fit? Or maybe you go with a cheaper option as that second forward who can play off of the target guy. It, it, there's, there's so many things, so many dominoes that have to fall. And Sunday will start that process. So out after noon on Sunday, we'll know, okay, we have a goalkeeper. We have a defender. We have this. These are our holes. Now, then Monday, when the expansion draft lists come out, we'll know who could fill those holes and who might be prioritized. The biggest thing to keep in mind with expansion draft is that each team can only lose one player. And that actually came up to get us in the mock draft where Mark Bloom was one of our highly prioritized players at outside back. And we actually prioritized him over Betashore, but the Minnesota blog took Betashore. So then we could not take Bloom. So we had to adjust. Um, It's going to be, like I said, a lot of dominoes and we'll just have to see where they fall and how Atlanta plays the game. Well, so far they've played it very well. I like where they're positioning themselves. Um, You're not desperate going into the expansion draft. You can fill holes. And I think that's where they're going to be on, on Tuesday ahead of that draft. Look, I did not sign up to play 3d chess and that's what this is. Like, the MLS itself is a Kobayashi Maru. You're not going to, you're designed to lose the game, trying to figure out the rules in the first place. Um, as far as the expansion draft goes, like that's just all the, like all the little rules here, there, if you put them all in place, it'll make sense. Um, I'm great. I think we've talked about this. I'm great, but the idea that we only have, uh, they only have so many picks. So we won't do the Orlando thing where we have 10 picks. Oh, well, let's take a chance on this on this guy. And, you know, now we can, I'd rather have those five picks try and find five guys who will contribute and then take the influx of money elsewhere and then go accordingly from there. That's, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the league's going that direction. I'm really 
Uh, I was curious how it would shake out, and I'm really glad it shook out that way. And that's uh, going back to what Lewis asked earlier about if the if the teams know what's going on with uh, international slots. That's one of those things where the league had to have told the teams, look, we're going to cut back on the uh, expansion draft and probably just going to give you more, you know, either TAM or general allocation money. That's something they know that maybe we don't know ahead of time, but the the teams have to know to run a franchise. So um, it's going to fall into that same category. Yeah. They're going to, to answer Lewis's stuff earlier. Yeah. They're going to know. I mean, they're going to figure out how many slots they have. Uh, They're going to figure out what they can do before we know. And it's just a matter of, they need to know because they have to make, you know, multi-million dollar decisions. No big deal. Yeah. I hope they know by now. I think they'll know by Sunday when they, can really start to get active and all this stuff. Um, you have to, one thing to consider about that is the way targeted allocation money even came about. It was, this was funny in my research because I didn't, I didn't know the whole story on the backside. You know, you had the uh, collective bargaining agreement negotiations going on for MLS going into the 2015 season. Uh, that off season was pretty hectic and the deal was done pretty late in the game the salary cap didn't go up dramatically. The players really battled for freedom of movement more so than, than bumping the salary cap up higher. But then what that did is that created a problem for some teams in their off season planning where they went out and made moves thinking the cap was going to be higher. So MLS created the system of targeted allocation money in mid season 2015, where they gave, they committed $500,000 per team. It was $100,000 a year from 2015 to 2019. And there were rules on how they could spend it. And it's all in the article I wrote yesterday. But then they were like, oh, okay. And you saw what LA did where they were able to go in and bring in a Jelly Van Damme and an Ashley Cole and veteran players that possibly could have been designated players that they're able to buy down with, with TAM. Yeah, well, then the league was like, yeah, exactly. Well, we think. We don't know for sure, Allegedly. but I'm expecting that is that he is going to be um, a TAM player. And But, then, okay, so it went really well. They're like, oh, this is great. Let's add some more. So for 2016, they committed to giving $800,000 for 2016 that had to be spent by the summer of 2017. And that's went really well. So you're like, wait a minute. Let's give $1.2 million next year. So it just keeps bumping up and it gives teams it's a way to increase the salary cap without directly increasing the salary cap is what it comes down to. And it's, it's monopoly money. It's confusing, but they have it to work with. It's so MLS. <laughs> it's MLS. And I can yeah. see a situation where Atlanta, and we don't know about Minnesota at this point, we don't know what they're going to do, but I can see a situation where Atlanta is like, hey, we need more international slots. This just isn't working. You only gave us five expansion draft picks. What are we supposed to do here? Come on. And you're like, okay, let's, let's fix Here's this and get it right. <laughs> Here's some money to go buy some slots, which that could have been what MLS's intention was, is, oh, we're going to give you more allocation money. You can go trade for slots. Or they're just going to say here. One team to look at, and I've, I've kind of been looking at this a little bit ahead of time, one team to look at a trade for international slots is Real Salt Lake. They've got some slots to work with. They're actually going to have to protect an international player in the expansion draft that is not coming back because of the expansion draft rules about having to protect three international players. So they're going to have some slots to work with. Uh, that would be a team you could see a possible trade with. Yeah, that's fine. Um, 
I'd like to get more slots if that's the case. If that's the case, because that's the way Tata's going to build this team. It's um, it's the idea of if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If that's the way you want to go with it, then go with it all the way. Uh, not saying you have to make a literal new old boys uh, north of the uh, north of the equator, but let's let's go. Let's make this a reality. And if we have to get more pieces, then we're going to do it. Yeah, that, that is what, what it's looking like right now. So. Uh, Another big rumor on the table at the moment is Andres Guardado, and we've heard varying things this week. Uh, Grant Schrodinger Wall, reported, soccer player. Yeah, we've reported. Grant Wall reported that the deal was still on track, and then the next day, Ivis Galarsup reported that it had you know fallen off, and now uh, so it's overnight. Uh, Raúl Ortiz, who is with Televisa in Mexico said that the deal is falling through as well, and it looks like Guardado will stay at PSV. He says close to falling, um, so it's not dead, and these negotiations can can be up and down. We never know, but it's looking less likely we see an Andres Guardado. When you start to actually look at the roster and you look at how things would fit, he's not as vital as he was before you had a Miguel Almiron, before yeah. you have some of these other possibilities, you can find another option who could play Guardado's role and and probably be more cost-effective. Like I said when Almiron was signed, you know, you're down to one designated player slot left. Atlanta United can play a little more hardball when it comes to Guardado. They don't have to overpay him so much. They can go out and use that slot in a different way if they so choose. And Center back would be one. Um, I, I do always keep in mind that Tata Martino said at his initial press conference, he expected the designated player slots to be used in midfield and moving forward. But you start to look at the holes, and you're not going to go designated player forward. You have Kenwin Jones. You have Vishalba on the right. You have Almiron who can play in the center or on the left, depending on where you fit him. But it, by all accounts, they're going to play him in the center. Um you could go designated player on the left. You could go designated player in Guardado's type of role, box to box or central midfield to pair with Almiron or to support him. Um, and you have Chris McCann at defensive midfield, unless you're going to slot him to the left, which is not where he typically plays. You're, you're looking at only a couple spots that you're going to use this on. So one player that has been mentioned, and I don't think he would be a designated player role. I think he would really be a Tam type of player is Gabriel Cortez, a young Ecuadorian uh, who's at Independiente in Colombia at the moment. He is 21, uh, has a number of caps with Ecuador's youth national teams. He has played a lot with uh, professionally at 21. So he's another one of these young professionals that can come in and do a job. And he is very similar to Almiron in attacking midfield slash left wing. So he could be that partner for Almiron. He could be a player more for the future to develop behind Almiron. Not sure, but I don't think he's a designated player. He's kind of one of the new rumors that's popped up here this week. And there's always, there's always the, you know, the expansion draft. You know, you can look for somebody to play the midfield. Um, the two things I've come to terms with is like, I made peace with the fact that I would like Chris McCann to be that holding mid the, the uh, in front of the back four. Like that's where I would like him to be personally at this point. Um, if you had to play him at the left back, that's fine. Uh, I can live with that, but I'd like to see him at that hold. And at this point, I've just 
made peace with the idea of Almiron playing in the middle and just drifting to the left. Um, I, I really want to, I really want him to end up being like the next Nicoladero because that's fun to me. That's just a fun idea. Um, but you can still add pieces through the midfield with the expansion draft. There are going to be guys available who you can put on the wing, who you can put in the middle. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a designated player. It can be like, I wouldn't be shocked if it is um, for hell for all we know tomorrow. They're like, Hey, just kidding. Cordado's coming uh, in January. Y'all have fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They, they could, they could, they could, we could find out that he went to Real Madrid and kidnapped Martin Uregard, the 17-year-old gentleman from uh, Norway, I believe, uh, the Wunderkind. Uh, they could just kidnap him and bring him over. I don't know. Like, we don't know. It's Atlanta. Atlanta never really tells us what they're going to do. I mean, hell, they kept the jer- they kept Atlanta kept their jerseys from getting leaked. Like, in in the in 2016, with social media and with blogs and accounts that are built just to break that sort of information. They didn't get their stuff leaked. It's totally possible that they're going to just slap us at the side of the head with something in the next few weeks. We don't know. Yeah, anything can happen at this point. Um, it's it's going to be quite a next few days. Um, while we have a chance, let's take a look real quick at MLS Cup on Saturday night. Yeah. Toronto hosting Seattle. Um, what's your prediction and why? Um. I think I mentioned this Wednesday night on the Atlanta soccer chat. Someone's blowing a three, one lead because it's 2016. Um, that would, that would be the great end of 2016, especially if it's like, um, if it's, especially if it's like Seattle blowing a three, one lead. My God, Whoa. that would just be horrible. Like Seattle, Cinderella story. They go up three, one, like Nicoladero has two goals in the first half and just they're rolling. And then Toronto just like, just, absolutely decides to ruin someone's day. Um, I'm actually predicting, aside from my uh, schadenfreude, I'm actually taking Toronto in this. Um, at a, I, I've been going back and forth. I, I think I'm sitting at a 3-2 Toronto game. See, I'm going the other way. I'm going uh, Seattle. And from everything I'm seeing, I might be one of the only people going with Seattle. Uh, okay, yeah. Twi- uh, yeah, uh, yeah, soapbox time. Uh, this whole thing on Twitter about if you're picking Seattle, you're either a homer or you don't understand MLS. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate this. I hate this absolution of this whole. It has to be one way or another. Where oh, if you genuinely think they're going to win, then this, that, you know, the and you don't know what you're talking about. No, like we, you, you can have an opinion and not be ill-informed. Like it's ah. Uh, Here's what here's here's my opinion, and since since I don't know what I'm talking about, um, let me just throw this out there then. So you're gonna have Josie Altidore matching up likely with Roman Torres, who is gonna be the most physical center back he's matched up with in the playoffs. Josie's been wrecking shop in the playoffs. Torres and Josie is a heavyweight fight. So if anybody's gonna neutralize, what's that? There might be blood. There, I, there probably will be blood with those two. If if anybody can neutralize Josie Altidore and what he's been doing with this run of form, it's Torres plus Chad Marshall backing Torres up. I think where Seattle can can hurt Toronto is stretching their back line. Um, and you saw Montreal do that at times. I think Montreal just didn't have a strong enough defense to handle Toronto coming forward. But 
when you start to stretch, they play a three-five-two, and you have Beta Shore and Morrow, the outside midfielders that will drop and make it a five-three-two at times. When you can get behind them and stretch the three center backs, that's where you can hurt Toronto. And you have a player in Jordan Morris who that's what he does. He's going to stretch that defense and it's going to create holes. And if Lodero is on and is picking the passes in that midfield, Seattle can absolutely go into Toronto and win. Um, and that, that's I think you I think what you hit on right there is my wild card is even though I'm taking Toronto it hinge, like that that hinges for me on Ladero getting back and whether or not Toronto's wingbacks get back to make that a five back system because if they don't if they're slow getting back like they were in the first game in Montreal where they just were not locked in at all and they let Ladero start drifting left and stretching the left and more stretching the defense vertically. Yeah, that it, it gets pear-shaped really quickly for Toronto. So, yeah, I, I completely agree that, it, that if he has that game. Yeah, Ladero can absolutely pick this, and it's going to be up to Michael Bradley and probably Will Johnson. I think we'll see Johnson start again. They're going to have to – keep Lodero in check and that's not it's more much more of Will Johnson's game and this could be the time that Will Johnson really earns every dollar he's made in Toronto this year even though it looks like he's going to be leaving as a free agent this is where he can earn that paycheck is to do the job and protect the back line and try to neutralize Lodero the other way Seattle can get hurt is if Osvaldo Alonso gets an early card trouble and he's prone to do it because he has to neutralize Giovinco. He has to, he has to be that, that rock in front of the back line for Seattle to neutralize Giovinco. And when Giovinco goes out wide, then it's going to be on your outside backs and likely Tyrone Mears because Giovinco likes to go out to the left. So Seattle's outside backs, who that's another way they can stretch Toronto's back line. They're going to have to be mindful of where Giovinco is and where he's trying to find space. It's, it's going to be a chess match in a lot of ways. I think it's going to be a really fun game because of the way they, they match up. It should be entertaining. I think Seattle 2-1, I just don't 100% trust Toronto. They've been too up and down this year. And I think Seattle has the weapons that can hurt them in ways that some of these playoff matchups they just haven't had. And I think the biggest one is Roman Torres and Josie Altador. That could decide the game. Yeah, and that's, as you put it, the um, the idea of Giovinco getting forward and then someone makes a, and monolith quotes here, a professional foul to pick up a card, then yeah, it gets weird. And see, I'm in the, I'm in the boat of, I think, they, I think they both are really fun to watch. I think the whole game is really fun. And me taking Toronto isn't meant to be a slight on Seattle. It is, I think Toronto just kind of outlasts them and makes one more play going forward. Um, but of course, well, as you said, be. though, a lot, of, a lot of it does hinge on the cards. And, you know, if, if Toronto gets forward, if, if Josie starts forcing guys to make fouls just outside the box, holding him up, somebody picks up a card uh, up against Josie. Like, does Josie have that game? Uh, God forbid, and knock on all the wood you want. I don't wish this on anybody. Um you have to also hope that Josie does not pull a Josie and his hamstring does not catch fire or something because that is something that could happen. Like 
somebody gets hurt and somebody's got to burn a sub in the first 20 minutes, um, what do we do? Like, everybody's got to be on their P's and Q's. We saw what happened last year. Um, yeah. Where Portland scored in, what was it, like a 45th second? Because Something like Kansas, that. Kansas City just decided – uh, Columbus. Columbus, Clark. Columbus just decided to not play for the first 45 seconds. Oh, the goalkeeper thought he had turned into a center forward, and then he <laughs> was found out very quickly by uh, Diego Valeri. So he, <laughs> he got a little a, bit crush of so, his dreams. Yeah, seriously. So we, we're both on the record with MLS Cup. Uh, Jarrett's got a 3-2 Toronto win. I've got a 2-1 Seattle win. It's going to be a fun game. Seattle for their MLS Cup. <laughs> let's, let's hold on. I, let's hold on. Let's Jason's see where this goes. I mean, Jason's been good at this. I've, I've been okay on my predictions, but we'll see where this goes. Everybody's going against me on this one, so I'm not, not as sure on it. But I think Seattle can get it done. So – the, and that's going to be on Big Boy Fox as well. So that'll be a, a fun TV experience. They, they've got a ton of plans. They have a pregame show tonight on FS1, I believe. So, you know, Fox is going all out for this thing. It should be, a, you know, a, a fun time watching it. I'm looking forward to it. And as they should. It's a great time for the league to be growing, and it's a great time for them to jump on it and to push it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I know we'll both be on Twitter probably talking about the game tomorrow. So join in. I'm at Longshoe and Jarrett is at Jarrett underscore Smith. So join in, talk some smack with us. We'll we'll be into it. Uh, a little bit of breaking, kind of breaking news, at least breaking rumor. Um, well, it's not even that. Breaking comment, let's say. Let's say breaking comment. So uh, Tata Martino is on. AM 970, which is in, let me make sure I get this right, uh, Asuncion, Paraguay. He is there. He is on the station this morning uh, discussing a number of things. He's talking about his time with the Paraguayan national team. He's talking about Miguel Almiron, um, talking about his career. Lots of good stuff coming out of this. But the couple things that are relevant to us, uh, he talks about how he's starting a new cycle with his coaching staff in Atlanta. He said there is a place for the third franchise player. Uh, and he said, we have three choices of players from South America that can deal with that space. So I don't know if that means they've moved on from Andres Guardado and they're looking elsewhere or if they're looking at other options in case Guardado doesn't happen. But he mentioned specifically three options of players from South America. So there's your uh, breaking comment this morning. Oh, it's lit. It's always lit. This, this thing stays lit. Always, always. City. Like, it's the, it's, my favorite part of this week has been all of these fun stories, Almiron getting announced. Like, it's the MLB winter meetings. The Braves made a minor trade yesterday, and they're just getting just absolutely taken to the clears by Atlanta United for news. It, yeah, it makes me I mean, happy. It's nothing, just, it's nothing against the Braves. It's just like, oh, it's the winter meetings, but that doesn't matter because we signed the midfielder. Yeah, this this whole thing, it's it's just getting very real at this point. And when we do this next Friday, we will have possibly eight to ten new players to talk about. Um, it's going to be chaos. So as we've got about 12 minutes left, uh, just so, you, so everybody knows, kind of a schedule going forward – uh, for us and for, you know, kind of Dirty South and everything we're doing. Tomorrow will be MLS Cup. Uh, we'll probably just be on Twitter discussing it. Definitely join in with us at 
you know, at our Twitter handles and also at Dirty South Sock SOC. Sunday morning during the trade window, Jarrett and I will be here uh, at Peachtree Post doing the show live as all the chaos unfolds. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of coffee. Um, it's going to be a fun morning. So we'll see where that goes. Then Monday night, uh, I'll be doing one of my ATL Soccer Facebook Live chats at the Dirty South Soccer Facebook page as we do a big deep dive preview into the expansion draft once the expansion uh, draft protected lists are unveiled. So we'll get deep into that Monday night starting at 8 o'clock. Tuesday, uh, we're not sure exactly what the coverage is looking like during the expansion draft. We'll be doing something either Facebook live or here at Peachtree post uh, in the afternoon during the draft. And then we'll have a crossover show with the mouths of the South Tuesday night live at eight o'clock uh, to recap the expansion draft and, and all the chaos that has unfolded from it. Uh, and then we'll have our ATL soccer chat as always Wednesday night. And then we have the waiver draft and reentry drafts uh, Thursday and Friday and We'll be reporting on those at Dirty South Soccer as everything happens. It's going to be uh, a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm excited to get uh, Jermaine Jones's take on the reentry draft. Well, did you see where Jermaine Jones was last night? Yes, I did. Jermaine um, Jones courtside at the Lakers game with LA Galaxy staff. It's very, very yeah. interesting about that one. I mean, he is—he does live in LA, but. You know, sitting courtside with the new uh, technical director and the president of the LA Galaxy. That's a big hmm. Yeah. So Chivas, he's say it is again. Okay, got it. He's gonna re- <laughs> he's gonna reignite Chivas. Got it. <laughs> he, he, he's gonna buy LAFC and rename it Chivas USA. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's anything's using, possible at this point. He's using the money from the World Cup. <laughs> Oh man, it's 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 very very lit at this point. <laughs> the rumors around MLS are just off the charts. Uh, one thing oh, we haven't till, talked till about. So Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney goes to Minnesota. Oh jeez, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Rooney in Minnesota will be loads of fun. Or Sunstock um, are getting paid more to play 50 minutes at Chicago than Almiron's going to get paid to play 90 in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, MLS is going to look very different at the end of next week. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, then we'll have the Super Draft in January, which will add another piece. But we'll have a very good sense by the time we do this live next Friday what to expect from Atlanta United in 2017 in comparison to the rest of the Eastern Conference and the rest of the league. There's going to be a lot of changes this next week with expansion draft and free agency and reentry and all that stuff. So stay tuned, hold on tight because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Like it's happening quickly now, but when we told you it was going quickly, we never said it'd be smooth. Like we never promised. It <laughs> we just said fast. We didn't say smooth. Yeah. This is kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the uh, great American screen machine in six flags. It's fast. Not necessarily smooth or fun. It's fast. <laughs> yeah, this thing is is getting getting crazy. And one thing to add to the mix that we haven't talked about a ton is uh, Doug Roberson mentioned it in his article this morning about Atlanta United's preparations for uh, the expansion draft and just really for next week and adding players. Check that out at AJC.com. 
the possibility of the NASL folding going away or at least some teams going away and players being available that were unexpected uh, a month ago. And we've had questions about Quadro Poku. We've had questions about Jimmy Maurer. Um, I'm glad you only going... seven minutes for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was intentional. <laughs> I know. Good man. <laughs> um, yeah, I set my alarm to say, okay, we're not going to talk about this until we get to this point, so we can't go too nuts about it. Um, there's going to be players available as free agents outside of MLS but domestic that were unexpected. And one thing to keep in mind is Minnesota United will know these players better than Atlanta United staff. So they will have a bit of an advantage here because of their NASL season last year. Um, you're going to see some guys that you wouldn't have ex- expected being available that Atlanta United could add really more for depth. I mean, I think there's a few guys who can come in and, and play a good bit, but these are going to be more depth signings. Uh, if you look at the, the Cosmos roster, for example, who all of their players are free agents right now. You have some guys who can play in MLS. You have some guys who have played in MLS there. Um, to me, the highlights are Jimmy Maurer, a uh, goalkeeper who's ready for the jump. Uh, if we get Sean Johnson, I think it's a different conversation. But for some reason, that fell through. Maybe you look at a Jimmy Maurer as an option. Danny Zatella, who it appears that NYCSC has some kind of claim on him, um, either discovery or they have his rights or whatever. He came up with the Columbus crew. Uh, his career completely hit the skids, and he's come back in a huge way with the Cosmos. It's been one of the best things that I've seen about NASL is Danny Zatella's rebirth. And if you haven't seen it, I think I retweeted it yesterday. Empire Soccer had a great article about Giovanni Savarese, who we've talked about a ton, going out of his way right now to try to find a place for his players, his former players now, to play next year. He's trying every possible connection he has to make sure his players end up playing somewhere next year and don't get screwed over by this whole situation. And it just goes to say, you know, we've talked about Savarese as a coach and we think he is ready for the next level and will do very well in MLS when he gets the opportunity. This just says a lot about how he is as a person. And that's one of the great stories that's come out of this. I'm glad to see that, at least something is is coming out good from this whole situation where you have Cosmo staff and, you know, allegedly, I'm not sure if this is true or not, that Savarese hasn't been paid in a while. I know other staff members have been furloughed or let go or people haven't been paid for, I think six weeks is what they're saying now. And he's still going out of his way for his guys. And that says a lot about him. Yeah. That's, that's not just, this guy's a great coach. That's, doing the right thing. And that's the kind of thing that people remember down the line. And I think you're right. Uh, especially with the way we I mentioned this Wednesday night, it's getting stupid. Just all the, all the teams around all the leagues in the United States, trying to figure out where they're going to go. They're scrambling, trying to go different places, change leagues, this, that, and the other. He's going to latch on. If it's not with the cosmos, if they, if they really do uh, go the way of the Dodo, he's going to latch on somewhere. He's too good of a coach and he's being too good of a person right now for someone not to latch on with him. Like someone's going to pick him up and someone's going to pick up his players. It'll Savary. I I hope for nothing but good things for Savarisi. I do too. I've been, I was always very impressed with his job as a manager 
in uh, New York with the Cosmos. I think that could have been a very tough job for a lot of people, and he did he did well with managing veterans, legends like a Raul and a Marco Senna, but also younger players and doing right by them. I mean, Haji Wright is a young kid who came through and really just trained with the Cosmos for a year and barely played, but he brought him in so he could be better prepared for when Wright went over to, I believe, to Germany. So Savarese is a good guy. I think when the next MLS job opens up, probably midseason next year at some point, he should be absolutely considered for that. I think he's ready for the jump. Um, you mentioned all the cities lining up right now to try to get into MLS. And, you know, I'm glad we only have three minutes left so we don't, you know, end up with headaches for the rest of the day. But MLS expansion moving forward is going to be very, very interesting after LAFC becomes team 23, where you have, you know, Miami still on the cards. You have uh, Sacramento pretty much ready to go. You have St. Louis getting very aggressive, talking about stadium plans. You have Cincinnati drawing huge crowds. Um, I guess my dog is a Cincinnati fan. Sorry about that. Um, You have lots of things happening. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. Uh, my dad's a Cincinnati Reds fan, so that's probably where she gets it. Uh, no. It's you have lots of stuff happening in the lower divisions, and it's gonna it's just gonna be very different next year. Even before the NASL collapse started, you started to see teams lining up for this opportunity, and how MLS handles it will will be very very interesting to see because. There's a lot of big checks sitting on the table for them right now, and they can set themselves up to be absolutely a major player in American sports if they do this correctly. They can be a major player in American sports. They can be a major player on the world stage. Um, taking a look at some of the renderings for stadiums, you've seen Atlanta Stadium, you've seen Minnesota's got lined up. If you take a look at the renderings of stadiums from other teams that want to get into the league – it's making that jump. People are getting ready to put down the money to make the jump to be taken seriously as a soccer league, not just a sports league as one of the major ones in America and break into the core four, but as an international league and be recognized around the world. Uh, MLS franchises at this point is I've gone over this before a sporting franchise. Isn't necessarily something you're looking to make an immediate profit in. It's about building long-term value. MLS is to that point now where long-term value is a thing that is achievable and yeah, everybody's going to want in and the league is going to look really, really different in five years. And I'm really curious and excited and kind of scared, honestly, to see what it looks like compared to that. Yeah, it's going to be a whole new world. Um, and that's going to really start for us in Atlanta Sunday morning when the trade window happens and Atlanta United, when the book is closed on the 2016 season and Atlanta United is now on the clock as part of Major League Soccer officially moving forward. Thanks to everybody who's been listening. Thanks to uh, Lewis for calling in and all the tweets this morning. We will be back with the Peachtree Post next week. We'll probably have some peach pits thrown in as news breaks and lots of stuff coming up at DirtySouthSoccer.com. For Jarrett Smith, I'm Jason Longshore. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for all the support. Take care, guys. Mucha plata. Mucha plata.